Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Back in the building, shots fired with three deep. Our holsters are ready, our pistols are cocked. It's the three musketeers. Kairos, what's going on, my brother? Some blessed and blessed, nothing new. And Chisanga, what's going what's, on, my brother? What's good, people? It's good to be back. Good to be back after a little break. Indeed, no G this week. She has got shit to do. But we've got a packed show, we've got a stacked show. I know we had a little bit of a hiatus, I know we had a little bit of a break. But we are going to be firing on all cylinders. As usual, we each have something to bring to the table. We each have things that which are on the docket. We've got a massive show this week. It's a, a healthy return. And I think to actually kick things off, we're going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, Jisanga Malata. Uh, I don't know about legend, but... Well, I'll, 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 take, I'll take myth. I'll take enigma, actually. I'll, I'll dub myself an enigma. <laughs> right, guys. Last week marked the fifth anniversary of the most seminal moment in the history of UK mixed martial arts. That moment, of course, being UFC 199 at the Los Angeles Forum when Michael Bisping, on 17 days notice, and whilst he was filming Triple uh, X, I believe, Triple X 2 or 3, I don't know, whatever shitty Vin Diesel film it was. <laughs> Yo, don't... <laughs> Yo, I had. To, I'm not the biggest fan. He's a, he's a he's a he's a one-dimensional actor. But anyway, Michael Bisping shocked the world by dethroning Luke Rockhold to become the UK's first and only UFC champion. I caught up with the count last Friday to speak about his upcoming book tour, not book tour, speaking tour. Sorry, and reflect on that night at Los Angeles for him. So, without further ado. We bring you Michael Mike, how are you doing? I am very well, sir. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, yeah, five years ago today. Feels like yesterday. I know, right? I will, it, it does feel like yesterday. I, I remember, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, uh, to travel over to Los Angeles to cover that card. But so as uh, upstairs in my, in my flat share at that moment in time, I was living with six other people. And I screamed at the top of my voice when uh, when you landed the, the left hooks, and so you were responsible for keeping all my flatmates awake. So, and, oh, well, thank anyway. you very much. Uh, I like to think I was responsible for a lot of people staying up late over the years. So for that, I apologise, and maybe uh, some sore heads the next day as well. I know certainly uh, a lot of people stayed up late, and you know, uh, yeah, no, but thank you, thank you for everyone that did that. Well, we've, we've got used to it, got accustomed to doing it, and we weren't going to not do it on the, the biggest fight of them all in the mixed martial arts history of the UK. So, Mike, we're here to discuss an evening with Michael Bisming, a tour that you're doing, I believe it's commencing in early October? Correct, yeah. I believe the first day is 4th of October, and that's going to be in Dublin. Mm -hmm. Then we go over to London, then it's Birmingham, Manchester, and Glasgow. 
Um, this kind of came about in 2018. Uh, I, I, I've got a lot of friends in Toronto and I was spending a lot of time up there because there's a business that I've uh, invested in. So I was up there helping out with that a lot. And a friend of a friend was an agent and he kind of came to me with this idea, kind of doing a one man show. And as I say, I was up there a lot. And I thought, yeah, why not? Sounds like a laugh. Uh, I do a podcast, believe you me, and my co-host, Louis J. Gomez, he's a very funny stand-up comedian. So the format was he went out, did a stand-up set, warmed up the crowd. Then I go out, he introduces me. I tell some stories from my career, you know, from, you know, working dead-end jobs to getting involved in MMA, sleeping in my car, losing an eye, becoming champion of the world and, and why I retired and all sorts. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Everyone laughed their heads off. I was laughing my head off. Everyone had a fantastic time. So at the end of it, I was like, i got to bring this to England because it was such a laugh. But, of course, a pandemic happened, and uh, I'm not very good at organizing things. That's why I became a fighter. Uh, fortunately, uh, I met some partners that uh, got great organization skills, and they got great partners in the UK. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Uh, they came to me with an offer. Uh, as I say, we've got these cities, and the ticket sales have been absolutely phenomenal. They really have because I was blown away. You know, because I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not a showman per se. You know, yes, of course, fighting. But, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a new realm for me. So I was very nervous. But as I say, tickets have been incredible. There is some left, though. It's not sold out. So myticket.co.uk is the website. But, yeah, thanks to everyone that bought a ticket. And did you ever expect to be doing... Uh a homecoming tour of sorts like this because legends of combat sports in the UK have, have, have done them. They do tours around, around the UK. Did you ever think that one day that would be you and you'd be regaling your tales of your stories to legions of fans in person? No, I didn't know. Uh, you know, if you watch the movie, what is it? Raging Bull. And, and at the end, he's there doing it in a little pub. And I was like, it looks kind of sad. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really excited for it. No, I never thought I'd be doing that. Never in my wildest dreams. Uh, and I never thought people would buy so many tickets to come watch it either. It really, really has blown my mind. But the reality is I do have a very uh, interesting, wide, wide and varied story to tell. A lot of funny anecdotes, a lot of shocking stuff, a lot of inspiring stuff, I guess. Um, you know, that's why... You know, the book did pretty well. So thanks to everyone that bought a copy. And there's people, you know, there's interest. There's a motion picture, hopefully, in the works. I'm dealing with writers and stuff like that. So the story's good. You know what I mean? So people are interested in it. So, uh, and the way we've wrapped it all up, obviously, I don't take myself too seriously. So, uh, you know, it's, it's from a kind of a comedic angle. You know, not that I'm a comedian, but, you know, I'm always saying dumb shit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm really excited for it. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous as well. But, uh, but, but it'll be uh, part of the fun, I guess. And we, we touched on it at the start of the interview. Uh, our catch-up comes in an anniversary, a big anniversary for you and a big anniversary for UK MMA. But it's also come, well, five years after the day, you coined the unforgettable saying, believe, achieve, concede. believe, achieve. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, like, I know Luke Rockwell's kind of like, he, he talks uh, very philosophical. Is that something that just rolled off the tongue in that press conference or did you have that one-liner planned? Listen, I've got to be careful because I train with Luke and he's not a bad yeah. guy. 
but he's not a philosophical guy. Do you know what I mean? And he was trying to come across as all philosophical, like a Buddhist monk or whatever, you know, and, and lecture people about uh, the power of the mind and 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 uh, envisioning your success and things like that. And yeah, no, it just rolled off the tongue. I was, I was like, he was going on. It was boring me. I'm like, sounds like the worst self-help book you've ever read. Conceive, believe, achieve, you know, the rest. And uh, yeah, it got a good laugh. I even had Dana laughing his head off as well. And that's like the ultimate insult. And uh, yeah, man, yeah, just rolled off the tongue. And then obviously a few days later, you did what nobody thought you'd be able to do on 17 days notice after training for a movie, no less as well. You landed that left hook and you, you turned the mixed martial arts world upside down to become middleweight champion. I mean, can you recall that feeling and what it was like after all the ups and downs that you've had, all the near, near steps to get into the title shot and then to be able to do it on short date, on a short notice? Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, if, I'll just give you a quick backstory, to, if you don't mind. So, um, obviously, we fought before uh, in 2014 in Sydney, and that didn't go my way. It finished me off. Um, so, I knew I could fight this guy, and I knew I could beat this guy. And the reason he beat me in that first fight, I'm not taking anything away from his victory, well done to him. But when I arrived in Sydney, I had uh, stitches it over my good eye. Now, as we know now, the cat's out of the bag. I don't see out of this eye. But that was a very, very... Um, protected secret you know what I mean hardly anybody knew that uh, and I was I was lying and cheating my way to the fights you know um, but but so I but I got headbutted over my good eye so I had stitches in my eye and anyway I'm walking into the arena in Sydney on the day and as I'm walking in someone from the UFC runs I say Michael Michael the doctor needs to see you and I start panicking thinking shit because I'm always lying about my eye I'm like what is it and he says sorry she said it's something to do with your eye and I'm like oh my god I'm fucked here we go the cat's out the bag and then I go into a room, and I'm like, what's up, dog? He says, oh, yeah, no, I just need to take those stitches out of your eye. You can't fight with stitches in your eye. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was another bullet. Trust me, that was my life whilst I was fighting since my eye happened. I was always terrified. And anyway, so he took the stitches out. In the fight, Rocco, we clashed heads, or he headbutted me, I like to say, and it opened it up. There was blood pouring into my eye. Now, the relevance of this story is, I don't see out of this eye. And blood was pouring into that eye and I couldn't see. So I kept wiping my eye and then I could see again, but more blood would come in. I'd blink and it'd be like you throw a, a tub of paint on a car windscreen and put the wipers on. It's just going to be smeared. So that's what I could see. I could see like a red smear and I kept doing that. And anyway, in the meantime, he kicked me in the head, you know, and, and fair play to him. He got the job done. So after that, I couldn't say anything because I still wanted to fight. Otherwise, I'd be rumbled. You know what I mean? So that was a really bitter pill to swallow. But that's why I was like, I know I can fucking beat this guy. Do you know what I mean? He beat me when I was blind. Not in one eye, in fucking both eyes. So I was like, I, I, I was very, very confident going into that fight. Of course, taking it on short notice, there was no pressure, you know, so that definitely helped. Uh, but I went in there with the strength of the UK behind me. I knew everyone was staying up. And yeah, I felt great. And I'll tell you what, I learned in my career that the longer it went to stay calm in those moments, you know what I mean? Because I used to go into fights, try to be all hyped up and angry and mad. And that's never the best frame of mind to be in. And you could see when we squared up that I was so calm because I was cracking jokes with Jason Perillo over the top of the octagon. And we went to the middle. Rocco didn't want to touch gloves. I'm like, what's that? No touch, no touch. I'll touch you in a second, motherfucker. Right. And just the fact that I was cracking jokes at that moment shows how calm I was. And of course, it related to the best uh, performance of my career. Mm -hmm. And obviously, 
going into that fight, you were already an idol for mixed martial arts fans, up and coming mixed martial arts artists themselves, but that put you on, on another level. I know you never set out with the goal of being a role model in your career, but how does that feel to, that you are the, the standard that people are trying to match? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it, it is weird. And as you said, I never set out to be a role model, but I, I kind of, as I'm older now, I'm 42, I do kind of recognize that, you know, what I did does, and I, gotta, I, I want to choose my words carefully, but maybe inspire younger martial artists and things like that. And as I say, I, I'm not disappearing up my own backside, but I'd be, fool, I'd be a fool if I never recognized that. And that's now as I'm older and I have matured a bit, finally, that uh, I, I do kind of take that, seriously you know and i want to be a good role model and a good uh figure for people for young kids to look up to so i do try and carry myself a little bit better these days when i was younger i was a bit of an idiot but uh, but there you go lo and behold we all grow up eventually but yeah no it's it's uh, it's a great honor it's a great honor you know to be the first and only british champion uh, in the world that we've had i i am extremely proud of that but i firmly believe we're not Sorry, I'm not going to be the last. You know, Darren Till's there, Liam Edwards there. There's other people in the in the wings as well. So, whilst it's great and it sounds awesome to be the first and the only, that won't stay that way for long. And what advice would you give to young mixed martial artists, especially in in the UK? Because there there's long been this mantra, and you yourself would have known that you have to leave the UK to become a champion. You have to go and, and, yeah. tra and, and travel abroad, but. That doesn't necessarily ring true because Leon Edwards has had great success yeah. and he's based in the UK. So what advice? 100%. No, no, no. You don't have to move away to a different country to be successful. You don't have to come to America or go to Brazil or whatever. For me at that time, uh, it, it was reported in the newspapers. You know, I split with my team and then there was an ugly yeah. lawsuit going on, which by the way, by the way, it was just all completely thrown out and reversed. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, he had no right to sue me his case was dismissed he owes me a lot of money so if you want to report on that you fucking can uh, uh, it was, it, yeah 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 because he because they contacted lawyers uh, newspapers and tried to uh, paint it as all dirty but uh, I, I paid them every step of the way and anyway ultimately his case was thrown out just recently just like six weeks ago so that's done that's dead that, in your, that weight's off your shoulders now that weights off my shoulders. But anyway, the reason I brought that up is because I'd split with my team at the time. You know, th there was money going missing and things like that. I won't go into details. Uh, so I needed a team and I had fights coming up. I, you know, uh, and I'd been out to California many times and I had a lot of training friends out there, you know, Rampage and a bunch of other people. Um, so it just kind of made sense. You know, I, I'd had a, a messy split up with my team and things like that. And I had a team of people Obviously, the sport's massive out here. At my disposal, right then and there, I had the work visa. I was like, well, screw it. You know, let's give it a shot. You know, and we went out there and we said, planes go both ways. If you don't like it, we'll fly back. And that was 10 years ago. And um, whilst it was great and we have a good life out here, I can't lie, I do miss England. And in many ways, I kind of... Yeah. I regret it in some ways. I do, because now I'm kind of trapped out here. My kids have grown up here now. You know, my son's at college in San Francisco. My daughter's about to start college. This is all they know, and certainly my youngest, you know, and they're never going to want to come back to England now because their lives are in America. So that means we're stuck in America, which, <laughs> as I say, it does my fucking head in. Don't get me wrong. We have a good life, but, uh, but I do miss Britain. So as I say... Um, no, it's not essential. I mean, I was having a very good career in, in the UFC prior to moving out here anyway. Uh, so, yeah, th th that, is, that is not true. You don't have to move away to become a champion.
and you touched on it there there's a there's a current crop of uk fighters who who are phenomenal. You touched on it there, uh, Darren Till, Leon Edwards, we've got Molly McCann, we've got Nathaniel Wood, we've got Laurent Arnold Murphy. Allen, he's doing fantastic. Yeah, Arnold Allen, and also we've got um, the, the Welsh guy's name is escaping me right now. Uh, there's another Welsh kid on this weekend, Mason Jones. Mason Jones, yeah, there's two of them. Yeah, so as Mason see, Jones yeah. looks phenomenal. I, I wasn't familiar with him, I'm ashamed to say, but I was doing my research on him this week because I'm in Vegas right now to commentate the event. He's fighting this weekend. And man, he is good. He is really good. Yeah, and he went to war in his, in his first fight. His, the name of his opponent's escaping me. He was on Fight Island, if, if memory yeah. serves me correctly. But what do you make of the current crop of, of fighters that we have and how far do you think they can go? Yeah, listen, I mean, as I said, most of the names there, they have the potential to become champ. I firmly believe Darren Till will be champion at some point. He's been right there for a while and he's only 27 years old, you know, so he's only going to get better and grow and get experienced. The physicality there, pardon me, the physicality is there. You know, some things maybe up here, maybe a little bit better boxing footwork, you know, because he's a Muay Thai specialist. But still, he's right there. He was so close to beating Robert Whittaker. Had he beaten me, he would have fought for a belt. So anyway, what I'm saying is he's 27. He's still going to get there. It took me to 38 or something. So plenty of time there. Leon Edwards, he's going to smoke Nate Diaz. That's a fact. Simple as that. Put your money on Leon all day long. Bet your house on him. He's going to beat Leon. Uh, sorry, Nate. Then he'll probably get a title shot. Problem for him is Kamaru is incredible. So, you know, um, it's, it's going to be tough. It's a tough road with Kamaru at the top. And I say that with maximum respect for Leon Edwards. And there's other guys as well coming through. I mean, the state of British mixed martial arts right now is stronger than it's ever been. There's always a strong contingency coming out of Liverpool. And up and down the country, we've got fantastic fighters. I feel we've never been stronger as a nation in terms of the fighting talent that we're producing. Uh, and as I say, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the day someone can take that. And the only British champion away from my, uh, my Instagram bio, which I don't have that, that there, by the way. <laughs> I'm not that much of a prick. <laughs> and, and how has retirement been, been treating you? I've noticed, unlike many other fighters, you've been involving yourself with, with, with other projects. Obviously, you've got your podcast. And as we talked about before the recording of the show, your uh, partnership with UFC Gyms. Um, if you want to speak about that now, let, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, listen, retirement's going great. Um, I was always terrified of retiring. I mean, I, I left school at 16, you know, like a lot of people, you know, in the, in the northwest of England, there's no opportunity really where I grew up and, uh, you know, it's not an uncommon story. But um, it was dead-end job after dead-end job and then I found my way into this. And so I was always terrified about when I retire, the good times stop. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and then eventually, you know, you're going to run out of money and go back to work in dead-end jobs or whatever. That was always my, my biggest fear. You know, I got into this to try and earn enough money to quit work and go to college and get a trade. That was my big goal. Um, but since I retired, things have worked out fantastically. I, I couldn't have dreamed of it going any better. Obviously, I commentate for the UFC, got a podcast, got an acting career, which is something I never thought I'd hear myself say. So I sound like a wanker when I say that, but <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the reality. I got a lot of exciting projects coming up this year. And of course, UFC Gym UK. I have a UFC gym uh, in Costa Mesa. And um, 
that does very well. And the UFC gym president said, Mike, you should think about the UK. If you don't do it, somebody else will. So myself, Joe Long, I don't know if you know Joe. From no, Fight I know Joe, Street. very nice guy. Yeah, nice myself guy. and Joe, and uh, we found some uh, partners with franchise experience and, and you know, some capital. And uh, we're opening 105 gyms over the UK over the next 10 years. So uh, keep an eye out for a UFC gym coming near you sometime soon. And of course, we're looking for franchise partners as well. So if anybody wants to get into the UFC gym business, hit us up, ufcgym.co.uk. All right, and you, you touched on it there, and you seem very content and very satisfied with your with your decision to retire when when you did. But does the desire to compete at all still still burn in you whatsoever? And I ask because I, I don't know if this was true. I only saw a headline, but I saw somewhere that you know, you were reported to have said you, you turned down some money to fight Jake Paul. I mean, it, can can you clarify that? And can you clarify if yeah, you are yeah. still? If the fire still does burn in you, yeah. Well, to, to be honest, not really. You know, I mean, I've I've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. You know, I've had a lot of fights at the time of my my retirement. I set a lot of records. I won the belt. You know, I mean, there's nothing more to do really. I'm in the bloody Hall of Fame, which is unreal. Um, I'm a competitor though, and I still like to do it. But unfortunately, my body uh, has failed me in many ways. You know, I've got I had two knee total knee replacements. I had. Surgery on my neck in January. They put a titanium plate in my neck. They want to go in and put in another two titanium plates, but fingers crossed it doesn't come to that. Obviously, I'm blind in one eye. You know, I've got bloody this massive lump on my wrist. That hurts, you know. <laughs> yeah, so my body's a mess, but I still like to compete, you know. So I go in and do some jiu-jitsu here and there, and then, uh, you know, hopefully I might compete in some jiu-jitsu or something like that, some grappling, but... Yeah, my, my fighting days are over. Now, with Jake Paul, yeah, I did get an offer for 500000 to fight him. Uh, we counted back at a million just to see what they'd say. But I was never really entertaining it. You know, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, let's have some fun. Let's see what they say. And you never know. If they came back with a million or even higher, maybe I would have gone and spanked a YouTuber. Because he's, <laughs> if there's a million dollars on the table right there, yeah. I'd be a fool not to pick it up. Do you know what I mean? So, uh yeah, nah, but, but I'm not interested in that. I'm very happy. I've got so much going on in my retirement. I'm so bloody busy, but uh, yeah, I'm very happy. All right, I'm going to ask you for some predictions for some fights, but I'm going to start out of uh, the mixed martial arts world. Jason Ellis against Luis J. Gomez. Who's going to win that fight? <laughs> well, Luis J. Gomez comes to my house. Well, he's in Vegas right now. He's coming to my house for a week. Um, he wants me to train him. Just invited himself. He said, oh, I'm going to be in Vegas, then I'm going to come to your house for a week. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Okay, <laughs> since when am I now your coach? But anyway, so we'll see. I've got to train him this week. We'll see how he looks. But uh, Luis J. Gomez, there you go. Do I really mean that? No, but i got to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, the news came out this week that this fight is happening. Jake Paul against Tyron Woodley. Woodley's picked up the million dollars by, by, by the sounds of it. What's your thoughts on that, that, that fight, Tyron transitioning into boxing? Yeah, God bless Tyron. I'm so happy for him. He's a great guy. And as I said before, fighters, when they're done fighting, it's it's a tricky road. You know, a lot of people, you know, you, you, they make a lot of money, they spend a lot of money, and then the, the money stops coming in, and it's a difficult road. So I'm really happy that Tyron uh, is making this money, you know, and he can punch, he can fight. And, and it wasn't his chin that failed him in those four fights. It was maybe the fire was burning out maybe he was burned out he's getting older he's almost 40 um it's a tough fight i believe for tyron you know i think if you look at jake paul he's a tall guy you know the man can box you can see he can box and he seems to have power as well uh, and he's young and he's hungry you know um 
Well, it ain't going to be easy. Tyron Woodley's no mug. He's not walking the park for no one. And, and that right hand that he has is dynamite and his left hook. Uh, and he gets a chance to reinvent himself here. So I've got to say Tyron Woodley. I can't go against my guy. And you, you briefly touched on Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz n- next weekend. You're pretty confident Leon's going to get the job done, like, like most of us. But why in particular do you believe that it's a, it's a shutout in Leon's favour? Yeah, l- listen, all respect to Nate Diaz. I'm not talking bad about Nate Diaz. I think he's a tremendous fighter and I've got a lot of respect for him. The reality is, though, he's, he's, he's a lightweight. He's a lightweight. He came up to welterweight a few years ago and he did it with a goal to plan. I just remember Rory and McDonald giving him uh, a nasty beating. Do you know what I mean? He's just too big for him. Uh, and when you look at Leon and Rory and McDonald, there's a lot of similarities in the way they fight and the skills that they have and just how good they are. Yeah. Leon's tremendous. He's on an incredible role. He's so technical. He's got no weak areas. Uh, Diaz, again, you know, he's tough as hell. This being a five-round fight, I believe, is good for Diaz because I think the only way Diaz could win is if he waits for Leon to get tired in the later rounds and maybe take advantage of that. I don't think that would happen, but we know Diaz is a triathlete, always incredible cardio ability, and he's tough as hell. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Diaz, but I just think Leon is that good. Uh, he's that explosive, that powerful, that sharp. He's like a sniper in there. Yeah, I... I, I I failed to see how Diaz can beat him, to be honest. Just a few more questions from you. I appreciate the time, as always. Obviously, it's a big fight next month between McGregor and Poirier 3. Now, this is is a a fight where we're just wondering what Conor's going to turn up. How do you foresee this fight uh, playing out, especially on the back of the rematch in January? Yeah, listen, I think Conor's going to show up uh, we're going to see a good version of Connor, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's made tons of money. That's well documented. But you can't buy respect and you can't buy the lightweight championship of the world. And we know these are things that Connor holds close to his heart. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like, would he buy the man that's got everything? You know what I mean? Well, you can't buy that. The only way you can do that is earn that. And, and it means so much to him. So I feel that, that he is going to come a very, very good version of himself. Uh, it's a tough one, though. You know, Dustin Poirier just knocked him out cold. Yes, Connor knocked him out, but that was a long time ago. And Dustin got to have a lot of fights in between. And I respect Connor for doing this, to come back and fight a man that just put you to sleep in the fight before, you know, and not get a tune-up fight or get rid of that, that you know, that gun shyness or whatever the case may be. That's incredibly difficult. So I've got to say, respect to Connor. Uh, I think Dustin's the bigger guy, if I'm honest. He's the bigger guy. He hits hard. Uh, you know, you, you just can't... You, I don't know how this one's going to go. It could go either way. Conor could go out there smoke him in the first round. You know, he may he may do. But if he gets out the first round, as, as always with Conor, you know, he starts to slow down. He starts to wilt a little bit. He's a, he's a sprinter. He's a 100-meter sprinter, you know. And in that first round, he's unreal. He's one of the best. But he does slow down. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. It could go either way. All right, a bit more reflection on, on your career. If there was one fighter, past or present, who you could have shared the octagon with, who would it be? Yeah, there's a lot over the years. You know, I always wanted to fight Rich Franklin. when Because when I first got to the UFC, he was the champ. You know, and I was like, you know, and I was a big fan of Rich. He's a nice guy and he was a great fighter. So Rich Franklin was one of them. Uh, but that was mainly because he was the champ at the time. Anderson Silva, that was always the bucket list one for me. And I, I did that. Um, I don't know if I, if I could do it all again I'd love a rematch with Vitor Belfort the prick love yeah. to fucking smash his head in but uh, 
Do you know what? No, not not. There's no one really. You know, I mean, I'll be honest. That version of me, that fighter, it doesn't really exist anymore. I've calmed down so much over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and and yeah, that that person. You know, like I sit there commentating fights, and I look at them and I think, wow, these guys are crazy. Look at what they're <laughs> doing. And then I think, wow, I used to do that. And then I look back. Sometimes, like an old fight of mine, I'll be flicking through the TV and it'll come on ESPN or whatever. So, I, you know, I, I, I watch it. And uh, and then afterwards, I'm always on the microphone calling, I'm going to be the champ. I won the belt, blah, 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 blah. And I think, this guy's out of his fucking mind. What's he doing? He's got one eye. Where did that confidence come from? Where did that ignorance come from? Uh, so, yeah, as I say, that version of me doesn't exist anymore. So, I don't really think about fights anymore. All right, Mike, thank you very much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Before you go, are there any plugs, any shout-outs that you want to give? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, we talked about uh, the gyms. We got the we got the show in, obviously, and the podcast. Give that a shout-out, Believe in Me podcast. That's about it, mate. Uh, yeah, just want to say thanks to everyone in the UK that always supported me and that still continue to support me to this day and all the best to the next generation of MMA fighters coming up. All right, Mike, thank you very much for the time. I'll let you go. Take care and speak to you soon. Anytime, mate. Always a pleasure. All right, we're back, people. That was a good 25-minute chat between myself and, and the Count, who I don't want to say is a friend, but we're, as you can tell, we're pretty tight from, from, that, from that interview. Bring him to um, Spaces. We want to see him on Twitter Spaces. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll try. I mean, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll shoot him a text, but he's a busy man, and like on fight fight nights, he'll probably be uh, in the broadcast booth. Let's not forget that. But we'll try. We'll try at some point. So obviously, guys, you heard Mike reflecting on his career. Obviously, that historical moment for UK mixed martial arts. I want to pick your brains and find uh, what we what were your respective reactions when Mike actually knocked out Luke all those years ago, five years ago, half a decade ago, man. It's crazy how time passed. Kairos, I'll go to you before going to Mike. I was at a college party and I dropped my drink and food on the floor because I thought there was no chance in hell that Michael Bisping was even going to make it. I thought it was over. I was like, Michael's going to retire. after. I was talking big shit. Because this is the time I got all my college buddies in the MMA. So I'm like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. I'm letting them know. Mike Bis Michael Biscuit's about to be the sacrificial lamb. Then he gets knocked the fuck out. And I was like, guys, you don't know shit. So I was like, Michael Bisping, why you got to fuck my shit up? And so I was I was upset. But at the, also, I was pretty happy for him. Because it's like, okay, he was a fighter who had been grinding for years to get to that title. So many times he got knocked out. So many times he was like a hair smidgen away and then just didn't get it. But I mean... Looking back, I'm happy for him. But in that moment, I was fucking angry. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that. Okay, I, I, I think we'll get the, the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum from Michael Morgan. What was your initial reaction? And first of all, did you stay awake to watch it? That's a, that's a big question. I didn't. My oh, routine, my day. My routine is I watch the prelims and then wake up the next morning and actually catch the main card. Man, come on. It's on that flipping half past five in the morning for us yeah. here in the UK. And um, saying that, though, this coming weekend, I am going to be pulling an all-nighter. UFC 263 has got my attention left, right, and centre from prelim up to main card. But going back to Mikey Bisping, I was impressed because 
just like you, um, there are people who were tight or who are tight with Michael Bisping, who have been to his house, had stakes with him. Now, I'm mentioning this man's name only because he put it out into the public arena. John Joe O'Regan um, was my Cody at Fighters Only and worked really, really tightly. So he was actually texting me um, in the run-up to this um, before the fight was actually announced to tell me that, um, I think it's called, what's this part of your, your arm? Is it, is it the rotator cuff? Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah. He had actually damaged his rotator cuff to a level where he couldn't actually punch. So that's the first thing that made me think his days are over. But secondly, he couldn't see out of, uh, I think it's either his left eye mm. that he's blind in now. But his right eye was starting to glaze over. So I thought there is no way on this planet or any other planet this guy is ever fighting in this lifetime or the next. So when this was announced, I thought to myself, he is going to be slaughtered. There is no way that he comes out of this alive with all of those in terms of injuries, that back that backstory. So like Kairos, I was shocked. My jaw dropped into my Cocoa Pops as I was eating and watching the fight the very next morning, because I tend to not look at any social media, so I'm looking at things fresh. I was flabbergasted, shocked, and in awe of this man, considering everything that I knew in terms of backstory coming into this fight by way of injuries that he had. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy to think that five years of a passed since that moment, and what 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 do you th- what effect do you think that it's had on UK mixed martial arts as a whole? Obviously, I mean it will have inspired the the, the next generation. But do you think that it's lit a fire under the likes of say like Leon Edwards and, and Darren Till to show them that yeah, although the UK is still a, t- a tiny bit behind their uh, their counterparts in in America and elsewhere in mixed martial arts, that it can be achieved. And I know you're going to say that Bisping went away from. Uh, from the UK to seek extra training. Yes, he did, but he still represents the UK as a whole. But that's just it. He, I think, epitomizes, and I know Jimmy Manuel won't actually thank me for this, but he is the poster boy for the UK mixed martial arts scene. He went away because that is what you need to do. You need to actually further your game, enhance your skill set, and sharpen your tools away from you being the god in the gym. Now, the way that I looked at it, he basically put himself up to be a standard bearer. This, guys, if you want to be a champion, is what you need to do. You need to live, breathe, eat, shit, sleep this thing. You can't just be a fireman one day, or I'll pick another uh, profession, a mechanic one day, and then the next day you're actually hopping into the octagon. You need to be submersed into this. You need to be a professional and having dominable spirit. Actually, against all odds. Remember the um, health aspects I was explaining that went into this fight? That's what I'm saying. On every single level, I think that he's been an absolute inspiration. And interesting that you, uh, you, you talked about injuries. Obviously, in, in, that, in the interview as well, he mentioned in the build-up to his fight with, with Luke Rockhold, he had, uh, he had stitches over, over, over one eye. And but that that was that was the good eye, and then he got called in by the uh, medical commission. You're like, oh well, we need to we need to do your sight test. But he was panicking, thinking, shit, my bad eye. They're gonna find out, blah blah blah, and what have you. 
So it just goes to show that this guy, as you say, really does have indomitable spirit. And to to be fighting, when, when did he retire? He retired in 2019 or 2018? I, I think it's 2018. 2018, okay. So basically to fight the best part of pretty much, I think it's 2013 he fought Belfort, the best part of pretty much five years with one eye and to win a world championship as well. It's just it's just crazy. Now, moving on to one thing, one aspect of the interview that really um, piqued my interest is that he's confident that sooner rather than later, he won't be the only UFC champion hailing from the UK. What's your guys' assessments on that? I mean, obviously, we've got Darren Till uh, and also we've got Leon Edwards. I, I probably should have even said Leon Edwards first because he's closer in the... Uh, when it comes to uh, fighting for a title, although arguably harder matchup in terms of uh, dethroning the champion. What's your assessment of the UK landscape and how long do you think it's going to be until we have a second UFC champion? And I'm going to go to Kairos on this one. I made that joke the last time saying you better hope that David Dvorak is a champion because he's at least from England. Y'all, y'all got no other, Europe, y'all got no other shot, but <laughs> I, Leon has a legitimate opportunity to but it's it's tough you're a welterweight it's going to be tough for him he's either going to have to wait to get it to get the fight in the first place or he's going to have to have like multiple shots to get it i think and i think the other person is uh we mentioned i think it was mike that you mentioned it lerone murphy i think definitely has a legitimate shot at becoming a champion at 145 pounds like i was um he's coming to space as a punch time he's like he's a boss but uh I like back when I was researching them for the first time, I was like, this dude is like his opponents combined record is like 69 and eight. And he's not even like, um, I don't think he even has like nine fights in the organization. So like they started him off trying to bury him and he's still fucking here. So I just, I think he could definitely win a title if not compete for one. hundred percent. And I'm looking forward to that fight with uh, Charles Jordan, man. That's going to be, that's going to be a fire fight. And I think whoever wins that, I think they'll probably get ranked in the top 15. That's that's what I think happens. But anyway, I'm digressing. Mike, what's your thoughts on the UK landscape? And do you think that we'll have a second UK UFC champion? And I'll put a time frame on it within the next five or so years. Oh, definitely within the next five years. I would say within the next 18 months. I'm looking at Leon Edwards as our um, poster boy for the next title holder from the UK because... Really and truly, I see him going in there this coming Saturday and actually lacing up Nick Diaz, sorry, Nate Diaz's face to a point where it's just going to be a sea of red and he's going to be undeniable. This is the name that he needed to actually catapult him um, to undeniable status in terms of he's got next. But apart from him, I would say, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, Kyle, you stole my thunder. Lerone Murphy. Lerone Murphy, you will know I'm high on. He's um, a constant, um, well, uh, co-host of Spaces. And I just love the fact that he has had a baptism of fire in terms of opponents. They're not actually building him up slowly. It's almost as though they're saying, right, deal with this. How are you going to deal with that? And then in this one, do you know what I mean? They've been throwing quality like standard um fare for those people who they want to get out of the ufc towards him and he's been dealing with them with grace and poise and just showing that people may have counted him out like myself i have to keep going back to that like myself when 
he catapulted himself from local circuit straight into the UFC. There wasn't any Bama, there wasn't any Cage Warriors. He went straight into the UFC and he has closed my mouth and continued to close my mouth in terms of how he has dealt with adversity throughout his UFC career. So I would say those two men stand a very good chance of holding UFC gold aloft. Yeah. Let, you know who's a wild card? Who's a wild card? And, and let me preface the extreme, extreme wild card, but when it when I look at her ability to fight and I look at like the tools that she has, I think the one thing that she's missing is fighting at like a real legitimate, legitimate camp. I think she has to make a move. Because right now her career is not looking well. I think Molly McCann has a shot at, at cracking the top five if she puts together wins in her division. But I think she has to move camps to do it. I really do. Because I've seen we've seen her fight. She can fight, but yeah. I just think it's that camp. Yeah, she makes she makes improvements with 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 Chiefs fight, and I'll vouch for Molly McCann until until the sheep come home, people. I I I love Molly. She's a fantastic person and 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 a great fighter. And another one who you talk you talk about going through adversity. Obviously, let's not forget she lost her UFC debut in her hometown of, of Liverpool. She got submitted by Gillian Anderson. And I mean that 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 could have broken many a fighter, but she 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 rose back up from like a phoenix from the ashes, and then she went on that impressive three fight win streak. Before, I think who was it she lost to? Um, it might have been Tyler Santos, I think. But yeah, I, I I agree with you. And the last time I I I spoke with her or did a lengthy interview with her, she was saying that she was in the process of trying to get a visa so that she can move over to America, so then she can go train for a long periods of time. So I think adding that facet to her, well, adding the facet that she'll pick up going to other gyms in America will most definitely help help her out. And I think yeah, as you say, that she she's a dark horse, but also dark horses who we're not talking about. Also in Lerone Murphy's division is Arnold Allen. People, people are for, are, are forgetting. <laughs> I know, I know you're not too happy because he uh, he beat your boy Sadiq Yusuf, uh, Kairos. But Arnold Allen, he's he's trouble. He's he's trouble for people. He's not Canadian. Arnold, Arnold Allen is English. <laughs> I thought he was Canadian. No, he's serious. It's I'm so Canadian. You have I thought he, maybe it's because it's maybe it's because he's at Trice. I don't know why. Yeah. I just look. I'm like Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <I'm> all- <laughs> and Mike, do you follow Arnold on Twitter? No, I don't. Um, oh, you need to, man. He's he's got this current uh, current thing where he's going around evaluating meal deals at like Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda. It's it's pretty funny. You need to you need to you need to see it. But wow. yeah, going back to the point, as you said. Leon Edwards for me, Leroy Murphy, Arnold, Molly, and and obviously Darren Till. Darren Till is always going to be within touching distance of, of, of a title shot. Those currently are our fighters who are closest to, to winning UFC gold. Can I just uh, query your last entry there, Darren Till? Yeah. People seem to be coerced, convinced, and um, I suppose uh, enticed by his spiel. And that is what is talking people up in terms of their rhetoric and the fact that he's in title contention, could be a title holder. He hasn't shown me anything that makes me feel as though he's going to be a worthy champion or someone who is basically going to be clinching the title anytime soon. I'm sorry, he just hasn't. What has he shown you? What am I missing? 
Did you not see the the, the fight with uh, Rob Whitaker? Yes. Easily, yeah, which easily could could have gone his way, barring the the late success and the late takedown that he had. Um. Okay. So is that what you're basing it on? The well, fight yeah, I'm, 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 I'm basing it on him essentially pushing a former former champion to like the, the distance. I mean, he's got he's it's striking. We all know his striking is 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 very good. Very 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 was very. I don't want to say it's, it's very basic Muay Thai, but it's his fundamentals are very 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 good. Okay. And also takedown defense with Darren. Darren Till, Tyron Woodley took Darren, couldn't take Darren Till down to be, to begin with. If you remember watching that fight, so mm. he's got the he's got the tools to 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 be a champion, but I think it's uh, I, I I don't want to say it's it's mental with him or or, or or what have you, but I think people are are invest too much in the the losses to Tyron and to and to and to Jorge Masvidal to to write him off. I, I think Darren. I agree with what you're saying to, um, to to a certain extent that it's his personality and his social yes. media that also that is um, that is at that is at the forefront of, of of his popularity. But I think he also he needs uh, another statement making victory. Like I know the the victory of a cowboy for it was nearly four years ago actually in, in, in 2017. That was that was a real statement. Like it. Uh, oh God damn it! I was. <coughs> yeah. Whilst you're catching your breath, because I think that the devil kind of like uh, spiked your tongue there, because you're talking about Cowboy as though he fought Cowboy in his prime and it wasn't like Cowboy in his uh, descendancy. Now, the way that I look at it is, I think that's a case in point. A lot of people latch on to those finishes, but don't actually attach it to the man who he actually faced. No, I get, I get that, but mm. I wouldn't even say. I'd say the twenty seventeen that wasn't too too long off. Um, too long off. Uh, Cowboys like didn't even go up, rattle off like a four fight win streak. He fought like five times in like in in twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. He had he had he had a renaissance period. I think yeah he did, yeah he definitely had a renaissance period yeah because in twenty sixteen knocked out Matt Brown with with the head kick, and that was a, it was around a three or so. Four, three or four fight win streak yeah and oh, I, I can't remember anyway but cowboy wasn't showing the signs of him being as cooked as he is now like let's let's not take away from 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 what darren did there and and but anyway i i think going back to my point he needs to make a statement in in, in his next fight against bronson uh, which is meant to be uh, i think in S- september although a, a new date hasn't been been set for that I, I i think i think he can do it i think i'm not i'm not trying to play down brunson or what have you because he's he's in the form of his if it's arguably in the form of his career because he beat he beat kevin holland and he beat who else edmund shabazian so it's it's, it's going to be tough but i mean israel desani made made a statement against him in november 2017 and i don't want to say they have similar strike striking uh arsenals but there, there, <laughs> for lack of a better word, there's some similarities between them, they're, and they're very methodical and, and precise strikers. So I'm tipping Darren to do that, but Darren needs to make a statement to really catapult himself back in there. But as you say, he's as I said beforehand, he's always going to be, I think, two two fights away, barring barring like a three fight. If he goes on a three fight skid, whatever, he's always going to be like two two fights away.
Mike, you're muted. You're on mute, Mike. If if the gentleman is rested, <laughs> rested now, like a true pro, muted. If the gentleman is rested, I shall uh, jump in with what I'm bringing to the table. Now, you will know, because I've mentioned it several times on the show, Ariel Jacob Helwani, I'm not sure of his uh, middle name, but I wanted to give him one, um, <laughs> is actually leaving ESPN on June 15th. He announced several days ago that his run with ESPN had come to an end, and it was his decision, 100% his decision. In an almost teary goodbye, he basically addressed um, his followers via Instagram, a video which he later posted on Twitter. Now, why I'm mentioning, you know, Ariel in that light, in what he's done for me, is because he has done incredible things, not just for Woe TV, but for the Woe cast and for Shots Fired. Behind the scenes, this man has been, I would say, an integral part in terms of bringing a spotlight to the work that I'm doing, giving me opportunities, opening doors for me. So it's with great sadness that I see him actually leaving somewhere where I know that was where he wanted to be for a long time. Having been and having supped from the ESPN well myself, and that well is quite uh, bountiful in terms of the way that they treat you and recompense you and... Um, the, the, the kind of doors that that opens, having that ESPN um, in your repertoire, I can imagine that to him, anything else is gonna be seen as a, as a step down, however he wants to actually glaze and coat it. But my question to you is this, look, Eri Hawani now from June 15th will be with, I suppose, new horizons, new frontiers. And my question to you is, where are these new frontiers possibly that could possibly match in terms of heady heights, ESPN? Or are you with me to, you know, kind of like, I suppose, agree that anything that he does from here on in now is really kind of a, a step down. So in short, I suppose I'm asking, where does Ariel go from here? I'm going to start with Kairos. I think it it's determined by a few things, because if we're looking at, Eyes, okay, certainly it's a step down because you went from ESPN. But, I mean, maybe he's looking at it from a different angle. Maybe he's thinking at it like, okay, well, I have X amount of creative control in this new venture that I'm going into. I have X amount of ability to manipulate what I want to do to the degree that I want to do it. In. So if that's what he's talking about with the step up, then, okay, power to him. Like, go and do that. But I think, you know, actually, no, I support that. The only thing that I'm sad about, though, thinking about it is – it leaves a vacancy open. And when the vacancy opens, people fill up spots accordingly. And that means that people like the schmo are moving up. But anyway. Oh, I, my God. I hadn't even anyway. thought of the schmo. I was thinking Brett Okamoto. But why that would be a plot twist and why the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up and why I'm so scared. Dana White is tight with the schmo. Yeah. Dana White hates Ariel Awani. Awani. Can you imagine that being the death blow, the final death knell, as it were, in their tumultuous relationship? Man, I hadn't even thought of the schmo. But anyway, Chatanga. My thoughts, I, I mean, it's, it, well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm sad to see that Ariel's leaving a place where he 
where he wanted. And let's not let's not sugarcoat things as well or be around the bush. ESPN is even in the UK as well. It's it's seen as a worldwide leader when it comes to sports coverage. So it must be very difficult for him to to be leaving there. But I'm glad that he's leaving of, of, of his own volition, the decisions of his own volition, and that he's not being forced forced out the door. But uh, where where does he go? Is I mean. It's very difficult to to, to find a, an outlet that's that's on par with 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 ESPN. So, I I, I don't know. But do you, do you know if, what I'd do if I was Ariel? I'd just set up my own like Patreon website. I'd set up my own Patreon website, and I think given his uh, given his, uh, his his loyal loyal followers, I, I'm trying to think how many he has on. He nearly has one million on Twitter, and then he's also got like I think 2 million on or close to 2 million on, on Instagram or, or maybe it's, it's 1 million. I'd, I'd set up a, a, a Patreon and try cut out the middleman and just hire some people to, to be your, your digital video editors and, and what have you. I'm sure New York Rick would happily come along with him for that, for that venture. Cause obviously Get the gang back together. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would do if there is nowhere that is willing to, to, um, well, to, to 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 meet your salary, and I, I don't want to talk about his salary or what what have you, because that's a very personal thing. And as you say, we both know Ariel, and we don't want to 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 bring such things into in, into the realm, even though people have already speculated as as to how much he's earning. Yeah, I mean that speculation does seem to be doing the rounds in terms mm-hmm. of what's been reported. People have been saying that it's round about the half a million dollars price range, and that's more than most fighters get. That's true, but at the same time, he, he I mean, his his work justifies it. That's so absolutely, but, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think where where he could go. Like, I don't, I don't foresee him going back the route where he's working directly with the promotion for a promotion again. Because obviously, remember, he worked. Well, he didn't work directly for the UFC, but he worked for Fox, and Fox were the broadcast partners of the uh, of the UFC, and we we all know how that relationship went. But yeah. Where, where wherever he ends up, I mean, I'm excited. Um, I'll happily follow it, follow his work. And even if he does set up his own uh, Patreon, I was going to say OnlyFans there for a sec, but I <laughs> <laughs> made sure to correct myself. Even if he does set up his uh, his own Patreon and and whatever, I'll be one of the first people to subscribe to it because I like I, I like his content, liked his content for a long for a long time. And as as you said. Uh, Mike, he's helped out many people in the industry, and he's been a, a role model for many, my, myself included. I, I mean, I remember when it, when it must have been about 20, 2010 or twenty eleven. That's when I realized, like, look, I want to cover this sport, and this is the guy that's doing it. In, to to get to where he is, you need to do X, Y, and Z. But I just hope that he he finds a, a place where he's respected, where he's where he's treated well, and where he's compensated adequately for his his services because whoever whoever snaps him up man like i just love to see the uh the breakdown of the analytics before they sign him and after they sign him because the numbers like percentage increase is just going to go up and conversely for espn look i i know they've established firmly established their youtube channel i think they're closing on like espn mma are closing in on nearly a million fall a million subscribers which is a lot wow. especially for mixed martial arts i think they're around the nine hundred thousand mark but I mean, a lot of that success has been built off everything that Ariel's been doing. So I think that there's going to be, there's invariably, there's going to be a downturn. You can't get rid of somebody who's got that type of footprint 
digital footprint on YouTube, on on Twitter and social media, and expect to to stay on par and expect your everything to still be rosy. I don't think that's going to happen. But as, as you said, like in terms of who's going to replace him, I think I think Okamoto is probably the well, yeah, he's probably the best fit. He's probably the only other person who's. I, he's not well. I wouldn't say he's on par with like the content that's been created or what have you. I'd say he's he's the step back. So Ira's leading the race. Then it's probably Brett, and then uh, obviously myself in third place. You know what I mean? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see Brett filling the void that Ariel leaves. And and Brett Brett's a good reporter in his in his own right. I, I like Brett as well, so I'm sure he'll do some good stuff. But just sad to see Ariel go. Given the beef that the Schmo and uh, Ariel have had in the past, would you like to see the Schmo actually rock up and take that position? I know it's a subsequent question, and I know I'm being greedy here, but Kairos, you started to say something before um, I handed over to Chisanga, and um, I know maybe there was a part two to what you brought to the table there, because I hadn't even considered the Schmo, going back to my uh, exasperation when you mentioned it. I mean... There's not much to say, so I'll just answer your question. Me personally, I don't want to see that shit. But I understand putting him into that position. It could work for ESPN in the sense of they got another, they got someone who's definitely playing a character who might be able to bounce off stuff with DC when they have DC on there. But they also have someone who like the younger generation and demographics might appeal to also, which could help build it even further and faster. But I think there are better people suited for the job. I think there are more capable people suited for the job, but I certainly could see why they would want to hire someone like that. Wow. How about you, Chisanga? Look, I, every, every time we talk about the small, I, I always preface by saying this, that all my interactions with uh, Dave, that's what he's actually, he's, he's actually, he's a very- And we always laugh. Pardon? We always laugh. Yeah, I know we you, I, I know you like- Me and that's like Kairos. You never judge a, a a book by its cover and, and what have you. And obviously, I had my my uh, preconceived uh, conceptions about him before before I like I, I met him face to face and, and and spoke to him face to face. And he's he's a lovely guy. I have no I have nothing bad to say about him. But in terms of ESPN taking that uh, taking it on, yeah, perhaps if they wanted to go down the, the avenue of like, look, we'll try. We'll try into like with the younger audience and try get get them in. He's built this niche, and we can try as well as doing serious MMA coverage. We can also do some uh, more quirky stuff. So per- perhaps, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure how the appetite would 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 be for that on the on the the global stage that is ESPN. But I mean, if if if, if he got it, I'd have I'd I'd have no problems with him. I'd wish him I wish him well. I don't wish well. I don't wish uh, ill on on anybody or uh, the people not to be successful. But I personally can't see it can't, can't see it happening. Although there are there is a potential avenue for it. But anyway, okay, Kairos MMA, you are up. Listen, I is Polo drunk twenty four seven. I got some quick questions. I got I got a few questions right before I come off sounding ignorant. But, so I'll preface this with a story. Paolo was scheduled to fight. Abloom was under the belief that he had signed to fight. Yet when the fight was hedging towards its date, he said, I'm not fighting because I'm not getting paid as much as I want to be paid. 
here's my question first before we go on with this. Can are, are you able to renegotiate your pay if you are the main event while you were under contract and haven't fulfilled all your fights? I don't no. think so. I would say no. You sign a contract for X amount of bounce that covers how much you will be recompensed, how much what your financial reward is going to be. Okay. Midway through your contract, it usually doesn't end very well if you try to do that. People have tried to do that, but the norm is to live out your contract, then do the renegotiations. The only person I can think of that did it in recent time was Masvidal for 251, but Masvidal has, has pulling power. He's a draw. So mm. that, like he, he had that to fall back on, that, that he was like, well, I bring X amount in and like you need me, you're in a jam in this situation. So I only think it's the, the two situations that you can do that are if the UFC are desperately needing you to uh, need, needing to fight. I, I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe Derek Lewis did that for the quick turnaround for the DC title fight. I think he got a new contract off the back of that, but don't, don't, uh, don't, don't quote me as that and saying it's gospel, but obviously Masvidal did for uh, the short notice fight with Usman. So those are the only two scenarios really where you can be like, all right, I'm the main event change how much I'm earning. Okay, but that's my point, though. This is an issue that we have seen a lot of fighters talk about. Like, I'm trying to... Listen, I don't want to sound like a company man for the UFC in this argument, but the fact still remains is this. Why are you trying to renegotiate your contract that you signed for and were aware of? You saw the number you have a manager and an agent who sees the number and is talking to you about that number and you guys agreed enough to sign your name on it for X amount of fights or X amount of time, whichever one precedes the other. Paulo is in the wrong here, straight up in the wrong here. Unfortunately, as much as I would be like, yes, do your thing, Paulo. Bro, you got straight destroyed. You were in no position to renegotiate anything. You're not active. And if we're going to be honest with you, Paulo has been one of the people who have received preferential treatment. I went through his pay scale history. He started off at 10 and 10. He ended up getting to like 68 and 68 within like two years, maybe one or two years. It might have been one year of fighting. He got from 10 and 10 to 68 and 68. That's not normal. Yeah. That is not normal. You see fighters when you go from 10 and 10 to 12 and 12 to 15, like incremental. Inc he jumped up multiple tax brackets doing that, doing what he did. Multiple tax brackets. So already the UFC has changed your contract on numerous occasions because there's no way you jumped like incrementally. You couldn't. You have X amount of fights to fill per contract. So you were given that. And I'm not saying that he's wrong to ask for more. But what I am saying is for him to just, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not doing this for X amount of money. Y'all are in the wrong. Like, bro, you signed to fight for this amount. You agreed for this fight. And now you're backing out because... You want to make more? I just, just don't sign the fight. And he, and I'm pretty sure he did sign the fight because most people were saying that he did sign the fight. But then Dana reenacted and said, I'm not sure. So maybe he didn't sign the fight. Maybe they were promoting it without his permission. He was just like, nah, I'm putting my foot down. Fuck you. I can understand that argument. But still, why? Why, are you, why would you wait this long to do this? And just none of this makes sense for Paulo. Tell me, I could be wrong. It's because he watched the money fight last weekend, son. What's the last not, fight? What's the money fight? <laughs> your money fight, bro. You're not on money fight right now. I know, I know. But uh, didn't he tweet something like, 
um, about the, well, the fact that Jake Paul and Logan Paul are making more than UFC fighters. He's, yeah, he was he was one of the fighters, one of the many fighters to 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 tweet that. But as you say, this man has 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 no leg to stand on. He wasn't coerced into signing this contract or, or what have you. I mean, I just think he's just probably just been shocked by the uh, the drop in pay that he's he's receiving now that he's no longer the title challenger. He probably got cushed the amount for the uh, Adesanya fight at two five three, and then maybe thought, okay, yeah, I'll be getting this for X amount of time. But then, when that contract came, <laughs> reality hit him quick, and then just made him realize, oh well, now nah, you're going back to what you were earning before that. So, but again, he has he has he has no leg to stand on whatsoever. And don't get me wrong, yeah, he's he's funny on Twitter and, and what have you, but but I don't, no, uh, let me say, yeah, he's funny on Twitter. But he does say some pretty asinine stuff. Let's not. Let's not beat beat around the bush, but when it comes to this, like, what leg do you do you have to like to, to stand on? None, man. Like, you signed the contract. You and your manager went through it. You and you and uh, Walid Ma- Walid the uh, Walid Ishmael's manager. You and Walid went through that contract, and then you decided, okay, we're going to put pen to paper. <clears throat> now, only now, the money is not good enough for you. Like, I mean, come on, man, it's. Uh, the, the only way the only way the pay is going to change is if uh, we've been through this we talked about this ad nauseum obviously a union yet the, the fighters need to unionize and the only way the UFC would up people's pay is if everybody went on strike if everybody went on strike like but that's that's not going to happen like but uh, well I, I was about to say maybe even just like the I was about to say maybe even the t- the top five guys is going on strike, but then you get people tweeting like you know Derek Lewis uh, when he tweeted in between John Jones saying oh yeah I want twenty million Derek like I'd do it for eight you get loads of people just jumping in and be like yeah I'll do it for half the pay I'll do it for what what have you but again until fighters unionize until fighters come together and realize that they are the product that people are are paying their top. Top dollar, their hard earned cash to see, not just the UFC. People don't just go just to see the UFC octagon. People and people don't pay for their they pay for you to see the UFC octagon. They pay to see the fighters fight. That's what they pay to see. And until they realize that they're 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 the commodity that people are are spending their money on, then we're just going to be in a situation where fighter pay is ass. And I mean, you get Jake Paul and like Logan Paul. I think he made. guaranteed 15 million from the fight with Floyd guaranteed. And that's not even, that's not even factoring in the, um, the pay-per-view purses. Although the Showtime app was down in America for a long time. So Showtime are going to be issuing some refunds. But anyway, I mean, can you imagine like this guy for, uh, for, for lack of a better word, uh, Mike, you know, I don't know if you know this guy, KSI is an absolute waste man over here. I can't stand, can't stand a you, but um, yeah, he fought, he fought him. Twice and then he's gone and made fifteen million dollars fighting Floyd Mayweather. Like, granted, I know he brings in his own um, his own audience or whatever with uh, with with YouTube and what have you, and he's got shit ton of followers and loads of different social media platforms. But that is insane. Like, some, <laughs> I mean, it'd be interesting to know how much <laughs> how much Conor McGregor made to fight Dustin Poirier, like in, in the rematch. Because I, I if, if we're putting our chips on the table, I think Logan Paul probably made more. I think that um, when you brought this to the table, I'm shocked and surprised that we are going to agree now because usually my cry is to support the fighter. Look, 
Fighters for the longest while have been happy with mediocrity. Here is one man saying no more mediocrity for me, especially when I'm looking at people like the Pauls commanding the sort of money that he is at the moment. And I think Dana has got wind of this because one of the rebuttals in one of the interviews that Dana issued was become a YouTube star, be more famous, have more traction. Right now, you're not that guy. So it's kind of clear that's where the travel of conversation is going. And that does seem to be something which is on the cards, I would say, for UK fighters as well. I think it's either August or July that Arms Corleone and uh, Bouncer are actually going to fight. And these are two, like, uh, um, I would say, um, UK, um, in terms of traction, UK mandem on the scene. And, um, <laughs> they are getting paid 350,000 to actually fight. What? Now, to be fair, going back to, them. yep, 350,000. No, 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 this is, this is the win, this winner takes all. Oh, so, okay, okay. But still. So, sorry? But even still, man, that's, that's- Exactly, that's a hell of a bag. So going back to um, Paula Costa, the way that I look at it is, I know he's gonna sound mean, but I'll just call it as it is. He's got an inflated self. He's got an inflated uh, sense of self to be at this eleventh hour trying to demand more monies when he knows what his contracted um, rate is. Plus, on his last performance, how and I'm, I'm trying to, to to gauge in my mind, just replaying the, the fight really quickly. How is he justifying this? Where's the balls coming from? Where's the confidence coming from? Because it surely can't be from his last performance. So, yes, I think for once, Dana does have a point. Yep, Dana, yeah, Dana's right in this instance. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I did kind of like the, the throwaway line. It's like, well, become a YouTuber then. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> that was funny, man. That, 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 was, that was pretty funny. You know, just before we wrap up, we have got an incredible weekend of fights. And I think it was only right um, in the time that we have left um, to kind of canter through quite a few of them. I'm not just talking about UFC 263 because we've got Invicta, the Invicta tournament this week. We yeah. Our Brits abroad, um, if you wanted to kick that off as a talking point, Brendan Loughnane at PFL, Paul Daly at Bellator 260, Joanne Calderwood, Paul Craig, Darren Stewart and Leon Edwards, all on deck for UFC 263. What are your runners and riders in terms of those people who are floating your boat? Going first, I'm going to pick Paul Daly because... I know you guys aren't going to like this. He's not the only person that I'm looking forward to seeing, but this is one that kind of like struck me and it intrigued me and it beguiled me because Paul Daly is fighting, um, what's his name, Jackson. Jackson. Now, this is at a catch weight. Who has fought recently, uh, several times now, at catch weight? MVP. Oh. I would put good money on this. If Paul Daly gets through Jackson at 260, you are going to see Paul Daly versus MVP two at a catch weight. And the winner of that is going to go on to fight whoever, well, it's going to be Douglas Lima, whoever is the welterweight champion. Now, that is why that intrigues me. That is why I'm beguiled by that fight, because I'm really hoping that Paul Daly gets through Jackson this coming weekend, because, um, I want to see Paul Daly MVP too. But obviously, you know, we also have 
um, Darren Stewart, Leon Edwards, Joan Calderwood, and Paul Gregg um, doing the do at UFC 263. I'm particularly intrigued by Darren Stewart versus Eric Anders only because what happened the last time, this whole disqualification and the circumstances around that, what Herb Dean said in the kind of like, um, I suppose, aftermath of all of that. What intrigues me about this is that they're not actually fighting at middleweight. They're fighting at light heavyweight. Dan Stewart came into the UFC at light heavyweight. And um, I'm just puzzled why, um, considering he's a small or smaller light heavyweight, why he would uh, give away that advantage to Eric Anders, who is clearly going to be the bigger man in this. So again, that intrigues me. I'm really, really looking forward to that. But Kairos, what are you looking forward to this coming weekend? Since we're pick, I want to I want to distribute like the talk. So I'll go with um, a fight from the Invicta Guard. I'm gonna go with Tab with the Watkins. Why? Because we show love to people who show love to us. This is the first fighter who was like, yeah, you can come to my gym and record me. Let's go, Kairos. I will carry her the next right. Yes. So I got to show love to Tabitha. We are riding with Tabitha until we did. If you don't like Tabitha, don't come talk to me. So I'm excited to see how she does. Um, yeah. One thing I've got to – I told y'all. I told y'all, Paul – this is Paul Day's, like, eighth fight after saying he was going to retire. I told y'all he was not going to retire. Yeah, y'all said, that, oh, it's so good to see Paul Day. I'm like, he's not going to retire. This is like his fifth fight. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Retire what? Anyway, <laughs> y'all can go. I just thought that was funny. That he, we're still talking about him fighting. He said he retired like two years ago. I'm trying to think uh, off the top of my top of my head. Well, obviously, I'm looking forward to all the Brits fighting. I mean, if uh, if Joanne Calderwood gets through Lauren Murphy, she's she should be getting a title shot. Obviously, she, she risked that title shot. Um, not in her last fight, the previous one, I can't remember who it was that she fought um, before Jessica Guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Joanne Calderwood fight. Obviously, Leon Edwards, but also I'm looking forward to seeing... Well, th- this is, this is going to be a bit of a controversial one because I know that Mr. Jamala Hill is a friend of the show, but I'm also looking forward to seeing Paul, his fight with Paul Craig, and I'm leaning with with my Scottish 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 brethren on this one, Paul Craig, to to get the job done. So, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I know, I know, Mike and Kairos, you're, you're gonna be looking at me like, what the hell is this guy, this guy on? But nah, I'm uh, I'm right, I'm riding with Paul Craig, Team Paul Craig, all day. But looking at the card as well, I'm, I mean, this card is just it's it's stacked. Like it's it's opened up with a heavyweight fight between Jake Collier and Carlos Felipe. That ain't going the distance. And then uh, also in the early prelims, I think uh, Panny Kianzad fights uh, who should fight Alexis Davis. That's going to be an absolute barn burner. Panny Kianzad striking is a sight to behold. And then like you've got the the main card, which is just I mean, yeah, well, if 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 we had to pay for pay per views over here, Mike, I would pay for this pay per view because it's just it's just stacked. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking looking forward to the entire card. But I'm going to go on with my prediction for Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz. Leon Edwards is going to stop Nate Diaz, whether yeah. uh, whether it's an actual knockout or if it's a referee stop. Yeah. I don't know, but I think he's going to leave him crimson red, and yes, the ref is going to have to 
have to uh, stop it. Yeah, Nate has had some surgery on, on his scar tissue, but I don't know if it's been completely removed, but he just cuts up easily in general. And I mean, left elbow, Larry, Leon Edwards, man, that's, he's, he, Leon's going to piece him up. I love Nate Diaz and whatever, but people who, who think that Nate is going to just, well, after 19 months out as well, let's not forget, just come back and, and, and waltz through him. It's, it's not going to happen. This isn't Anthony Pettis who at times has been, uh, been prone to, to folding under pressure. This is, this is someone who thrives under pressure. And this is someone who's at the peak of their powers right now. And well, not even reach the peak of his powers. He's going to be at his peak in three years time. Leon Edwards is only 29 right now. So I, I, like, look, I, I love Nate. I think he's a badass, but I just think this fight is it's not, it's not going his way. I admire him for taking it because obviously he wants to well, take the big fights and get big fights and get into title contention. But this this ain't it. This ain't it, son. And I think you're gonna you're you're gonna find out the hard work. You're gonna learn today. As <laughs> Hold on a minute. I, I think that we might have a dissenting voice here because uh, the eyebrows are furrowed, and um, really? Really? Uh, he's about to uh, lay the smack of down. Go on, Kairos. I know you want to talk. No, I I mean I I agree that Leon's gonna win. I'm just. It's, if the Leon that came out against Bilal Muhammad comes out again, I think he'll finish him, sure, certainly. But I think if it's usual Leon, I think he's just going to like 50-45 and 50-44. And why? Because he's not the type of person like, oh, you you slapped me or you called me a bitch. So I'm going to get engaged in this firefight with you. He's like, nah, I'm just going to keep fucking you up. I'm going to keep touching you and you aren't going to be able to touch. I feel like Leon's, he's one of the people who are just so disciplined no matter what. He's like, all right. If I can touch you 50 times before you touch me once, I'm going to do that. I don't have to put myself in danger, and I don't have to do this. I'm just going to win. So, sure, he could get a doctor stoppage, but I don't think he's just going to be like, nah, I'm going to kill my fuck this motherfucker. I don't think he's going to be doing that. But he, can, <laughs> he can, but I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it. But I, I'm picking Jamal Hill. Also, I don't like the I don't like the pick of, for Paul Craig. I just – watching that man fight Shogun twice, if there's one thing I realize is that he ain't built for this. He's not built for this. Not for this fight. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant. I, th- I thought you meant built for this in general as in being a fighter. That's. I thought. That's, okay. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say. No, no, no. I, I, I was. I was, was going to go hard in the paint there. I thought if you were no. saying. <laughs> oh man, but okay. Well, who who we got between? So we're all all unanimous with Leon, right? Yeah, definitely all unanimous with Leon. All right, Figueredo against Moreno too. How do we see that going? I'm going Figgy. No Figgy. Yep. I, I'm expecting violence. I'm expecting extreme violence in this one. Kairos? Figgy murks him this time. Figgy murks him this time. You think? He was whooping his ass badly the first time, and then he just got tired from landing strikes. On top of the fact that he was defending his belt twice within like 10 days, on top of the fact that he had stomach issues, it was just like, Okay, this is probably the best case scenario for you, Brandon. It's, that was your best shot. And it was a draw. So I don't know. No, Brandon, this might be the end. <laughs> uh, let's just hope he doesn't get savagely kicked in the nuts again, man, because that was that was bad. And what do you make of Figgy on yeah, the hold countdown? On, hold on. Who have you got? Who have I got? I, I'm, I'm saying this at the end of whatever. <laughs> as I was saying, as I was saying, <laughs> yeah. As I was saying, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, let's hope he doesn't get savagely kicked in the nuts. And what did you make of 
figure eight on the countdown. I don't know if you've watched the countdown, uh, the countdown that wrongly labeled Fabian Edwards. <laughs> so, <somebody. laughs> Some uh, random brummy dude. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if you watched, watched uh, the countdown, but Figueredo was saying, oh, Mourinho, essentially, words to these effects, Mourinho was being a bitch. He made, the, he made the most out of the kick in the nuts, blah, blah, blah. He was being overdramatic and blah, blah, blah. What do you make of that, man? Because the man kicked him square in square in the the family jewels, and at one point it sounded as if he was going to cough one up. <laughs> I think he's just trying to sell the fight, but I one hundred percent selling the fight. But um, I mean, what else is he going to cling to in terms of you know disparaging his opponent? I mean, let, let's 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 not um, you know make no bones about it. He took it to him. Took it to him savagely. But I'm with Kairos this time round. That ain't going to be the case. We're looking at a replenished, recharged, refreshed uh, Figgy. And um, it ain't going to end well. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the opposite side of this. I'm going I'm to be the bad guy. I'm the same. <laughs> You're, you, one, are wearing a cup. Two, oh, wait, wait. Are you required to wear a cup as a male fighter in the UFC? Yes, I think so. Yes, yeah. so you are guaranteed. You are definitely guaranteed to wear this cup right now, and you took a shot to them. I get that it, it'll sting, and maybe you sit down for a little bit of time. And you got to, but I've been around sports, and a lot of people wear cups, and a lot of people get hit in the junk. They're, but a lot of people don't wear cups, and a lot of people still get hit in the junk, and they should get back up. Like I've seen dudes who have taken shots from projectiles that are reaching a hundred miles per hour. And it hits their nuts. It hits their dick. And they weren't down like he was. They don't. They weren't staying down like he was. And I don't want to be that guy, but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't look good for people who are in athletics who know. All right, the cup. The cup does its job for the most part. Like, you aren't gonna die. It's it's okay. But I think he sold the fuck out of that. The same as I see a lot of guys selling the fuck out of a lot. Like, what was that girl who got kicked in the face by Ronda Marco? She's still on the octagon today. That guy was eight months ago. She's still laying down lockdown. She just woke up. Throw in the fight, bro. Come on. Some of y'all are the biggest actors that I y'all want to talk about actors. Come on, bro. Come on. Cut it out. It's not that bad. Cut it out. All right. Do you know what? Do you know? I'm for the sake of it. Some somebody's got to be in the opposition here. I'm going for Brandon Moreno. Going for Brandon. <laughs> Moreno. Well, now you gotta go with them. So, yes, somebody, somebody's got to be be the now. I'm I'm going to Brandon. Like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to Brandon. I ain't explaining myself. Brandon Moreno via decision. Davis and Figueredo. I think he's worked himself, whipped himself up into this friendly. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking murk this motherfucker earlier on. Blah blah blah. Now Brandon's gonna weather the storm. He's gonna take it to him late, and then Brandon's gonna get the uh, gonna get the belt and become the first Mexican-born and Mexican reserve. Uh, yeah, yeah, the first Mexican-born uh, UFC champion. I know, Ka- no, I know, Cain Velasquez was. Oh no, I, they said it in the countdown. The first Mexican-born something something champion. But anyway, okay, Brandon Moreno. Okay, and Israel against Marvin Vittori. Izzy, all day, all day, and I see this being a real short fight. A lot of people look at um, the gas tank of Vittori and say, oh, yeah, he's in there for the long haul. But my man Izzy is a sniper. My man Izzy is just way too accurate to be wasting shots. And I think he's got a point to prove as well, because I know this is all about talking grease to actually hype the fight. 
But I really do feel as though Vittori is up himself and Izzy's going to teach him a lesson. Yeah, there's both both fighters have made improvements since they fought. I think was it four years ago, and uh, coincidentally, it's at the same arena where they're fighting again. That's where they fought um, the, the first time. Both fighters have have, uh, have have made improvements, but like you say, Israel is just a, a a master sniper. He's like he's like those snipers that you know you hear the stories of uh, them sniping people from like a mile away, taking yeah, people. yeah. He's he's that way too accurate. That precision and that precise, and everybody was lauding the performance that uh, Vittori turned in against Jack Hermanson, and to a certain extent, yes, it did, it did deserve it did deserve to be eulogized. But he also took his fair share of shots, man. And if my, it, I don't, I don't want to just sound the cliche and say, oh yeah, Jack Hermanson can land these shots, and Adesanya can land these shots. I'm going to say if Jack Hermanson can see the openings to land his shots, Israel Adesanya, you damn well know, is going to see something else that nobody else has seen and take him out with that. So I love Marvin Vittori. I, I actually like him. I think he gets too much flack. I think <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I think it was after the um, the cancellation of the Carl Roberson fight. Remember, they met in the hotel and then Vittori was like confronting him. And <laughs> I don't... <laughs> <laughs> and it, it kind of reminded me of the uh, I can't remember who it was on Tough. Was it the Nate Diaz season Tough Five? It was like, just let me bang, bro. Just let me bang. <laughs> it kind of had those vibes to it. Do you remember that? All, all yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think Izzy, as you say, he's got a point to prove. Uh, people were relishing in the fact that he lost uh, to to Yan, uh, who has found great success late into his thirties, and is a testament to the saying that. You should never give up on your on your hopes just because you're you're getting on and age just is just a number. But I think yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna pull out something special. And we haven't seen him throw a question mark kick in a while. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he did that because remember the question mark kick he landed on uh, on Brunson at UFC thirty. So I'm I'm going I'm going with the the lifestyle bender to retain his title. I think it's probably going to be like maybe third round. Mm. Oh, Mike's looking for it right now. I do. 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 You got me all, all, all nostalgic there. <laughs> Let me think, bro. Oh, God. That's, <laughs> That's terrible. Anyway, I'm going... I interrupted you, as you were saying. Jesus. Kairos. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a complete runaway. Marvin has improved 1%, maybe one, maybe one degree from where he was when they last fought. This man... Even in his dominant fights, it proves that he's not that dominant. You went against a guy who has the worst grappling defense and takedown defense we've ever seen and Kevin Holland, and you were on top of him for an entire, like, 24 minutes and 30 seconds still couldn't finish the fight. If you're so dominant and he is so bad, you need to get him out of there. <laughs> so you're telling me, basically, when you get to where you want to get to in the fight, it's not the end-all, be-all. You aren't going to win this fight. The first fight wasn't that close either. There is very little this man can do to even stand a chance in this fight. I'm sick and tired of hearing this dude because you want to talk overrated? 
Marvin Vittori is so fucking overrated. It's not even yeah. funny. The only Great. reason why he's even getting this opportunity to fight is because Israel has knocked off every single person in front of him or the people who are in front of Marvin are coming off of a loss or aren't fighting. It's ridiculous how this fight is even being put together right now. And it's ridiculous how he's even in this conversation. Great. I'm so like, oh my gosh, the defender of Mordor has let this talk get to him. And he's just like the Dominic Reyes shit. This is like Dominic Reyes where, oh, I went five rounds with John Jones, man. I'm the champion now. It's like, oh, I went two, I went three rounds with Israel Adesanya. I'm just saying, bitch, you ain't fucking win the fight. <laughs> you probably lost three to zero, maybe two to one. It wasn't that close, bro. Cut the bullshit out. You got two takedowns in the third round, did nothing with it, and came back and we still outstruck you. You are breathing hard after 15 minutes of fight. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck No, no. Marvin, this, I'm so glad this fight has happened, actually, because finally he could get what he wants and shut the fuck up. Same as how Juliana Pena was talking all that shit, and now she's going to get what she's asking for. This is perfect. Excellent year. Thank you so much, Dana White. Preach. My brother. What a way to close out. Oh, goddamn. Well, <laughs> that does actually close out the show. But just before we go, we've got spaces, Twitter spaces this weekend. If you're not following either myself, Kairos, or Chisanga, you need to. Because this weekend, we've got Brianna Frost, the OnlyFans sensation, YouTube porn star, all that and a bag of chips coming to spaces in a Q&A interview, which... Um, I have to say, I'm pretty much uh, looking forward to. I am intrigued and quite, I've got quite a few questions for um, this young woman as to, you know, her career choices and um, some insights into the business that she's in. So we'll catch you on Spaces just before UFC 263. Boom. Take it easy, people.